We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're reviewing rounds three through five of recent best ball drafts on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome back to RotoViz Radio, brought to you by Bet Online. I'm Dave Cabin, senior fantasy analyst at RotoViz, joined by the editor in chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network, Matt Friedman. What's going on, Matt? Uh, am I to assume that you watched some XFL over the weekend? Uh, some is the correct word. Um, yep. I watched a very little bit of it. Um, well, I don't know, like a moderate amount of it. I didn't watch all four games, but I definitely watched clips, uh, from all four games and most of, uh, two of the games. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's the only football in town right now. And, uh, you know, every week I think like, oh, maybe I should send Dave a message and be like, hey, Let's talk about XFL on the podcast this week. <laughs> Let's like do like an XFL breakdown, but uh, I always forget to send you that message. And I don't know if you'd actually even want to talk about XFL anyway. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, I don't know. Like, I think it is interesting that we have it going on, but I, you, you know, like, um, until we could really provide a lot from a fantasy perspective, I don't know. But the other question I had for you, Obviously, we're still early on into the existence of this league. Do you see this league lasting beyond this season? Beyond this season, yeah, I think so. Because it's it's well financed, and yeah. um, you know, they've the the play has been better than the AAF was. I think um, enough guys have done well enough to give themselves a shot at the NFL uh, in twenty twenty. And so yep. I think like that will help the league, uh, continue on for another season. 
Got it. Because one of the things that I have read, and I haven't really done too much reading on people's opinion on this, and I actually at this point have watched a very limited amount, one of the knocks seems to be that the offenses have not been playing good enough to make the games exciting. Uh, I mean, it's true. Um, there are, I would say, like three and a half good quarterbacks in this league, and if you don't have a good quarterback, you're basically dead. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, four to five of the teams aren't doing all that well offensively because of their quarterback position. But, um, I don't know. I still find yeah. it interesting. Like you can, you can still bet on it. You can still play fantasy sports with it. You can still create player projections. You can still write content on it. So like I'm interested, you know, but yeah, of I, course. <laughs> I understand if like the casual fan isn't interested. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good for our quick little, uh, <laughs> XFL check-in that seems to now be like a, a once-a-week type of thing. But nonetheless, perhaps some people are uh, – I would imagine that if you're listening to us at this point in the year, you're probably that much of like a degenerate or into football that you do have some level of interest in the XFL. But let's pop things back over to the main league of interest to our listeners. That is, of course, the NFL Best ball drafts are in full swing, and it's amazing to me the popularity of best ball at this point now. Like, it seems already people are hitting the ground running, and it's only the 17th of February. Maybe that's just in our little bubble of the world, but they really have become, like, a major component of most people's fantasy endeavors. Yeah, I mean, most people, I think it's just, like, the hardcore audience. You know, like yeah. maybe, like, the hardcore people – three years ago weren't playing best ball leagues, but now they are. Right. Well, I hope that one day we see this permeate into more home type of leagues. Cause what I would like to see would be a league where maybe you do like three or four drafts and then somehow like your league works at a system where the t- the, the owner that has the best Average or like averages the best team across those four leagues as the winner or something That's like that. That's interesting. Yeah, like you do one draft in February, one in March, one in April, one in May. You could do like seven, like all the way through the uh, yeah. the off season. And uh, yeah, like whoever has the the best portfolio of the seven teams or something like that. That's interesting. I do like that idea. I, I guess like on one hand, maybe it takes away from the weekly excitement that you have in that just pure head to head matchup where. You're only concerned about like a handful of players in that particular week. And if you have all these other teams, who knows if that takes away the fun. You know what? But- let's, let's be honest. Okay. The people who play, the people who have that feeling are, are the, the people who are playing in only really one league. Yep. And I'm not going to say like, why would I ever want to be in a league with people who are only in one league? But you know, like really, why would I want that? Um, you know, like the, the people who play more seriously, they're not really sweating what happens for the most part in any one given game or like thinking about their particular head to head matchups because like they have an entire portfolio of teams, you know? So like maybe they're looking at the players that they have more exposure to or something like that, but like they're not really, they're not really sweating it on a week to week basis, even if they are playing in a ton of leagues where you do have to set your lineups. Right. You know, so, so it's just, I don't know. Like the, I think the days of like, oh, I'm really thinking about my head to head matchup and like, who, who do I start in my home league? Like, it's not that those days are over, but like, it's just a separate audience at this point. Yeah, it definitely is. What I like about having a lot of teams is it takes away some of that stress and anxiety that would be present 
in like two regards, worrying about the matchup that I'm in and then also trying to watch coverage of those particular games. When you basically have some exposure to every player in the NFL in that they're either on your team that week or you're playing them in some type of matchup, it makes it easier just kind of be a fan for the week, wait till the end of the day to see how things really shook out and just kind of take everything in, which I actually grew to enjoy this season, although I think that I do need to limit so, somewhat the number of teams that I had because I had way too many teams to worry about each week, which is why I'm going to try to transition to more teams, at least in best ball leagues this year, than than your standard league. Nonetheless, though, Matt, let's start looking at round three of FFPC best ball drafts that have taken place in the last week. We talked about rounds one and two last week. I'm going to quickly read through those as there may have been changes, um, just so that we're all aware of when we pick up here in round three, who would be off the board. So in general, it's going Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, Michael Thomas, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Joe Mixon, Travis Kelsey, Nick Chubb, Derek Henry, Aaron Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, George Kittle, Tyree Kill, Josh Jacobs, Julio Jones, Leonard Fournette, Lamar Jackson, Miles Sanders, Chris Godwin, Austin Eckler, Mike Evans, and Kenny Galladay. We've talked about this player, and I think we may even have touched on him last week, but Kenyon Drake is the first player going in round three, which a lot of people think is ludicrous. So... We've talked enough about Drake that I want to compare him here to Melvin Gordon, who is going closer to the middle of round three and uh, significant question marks himself. At this point, if I said to you that you're choosing between Drake or Melvin Gordon in the third round, who would you prefer? But more importantly, would you either would you even be taking either of those options? Uh, I have. Kenyon Drake ranked a little bit higher. Yep. Um, but in the third round it feels too early. You know, I agree. Yep. I mean, I think at least right now at this point in the year, there's too many questions with both of these, with both of these players. And you know, it's odd. I almost feel like for Drake, I have less concerns about the actual athletic and physical considerations at this point than I do with Gordon. Are you on the same page with me there? Yeah. I mean, Gordon's starting to get a little bit older. Um, I remember looking wherever Le'Veon Bell was last year, like Le'Veon Bell was um, a 27 year old coming yep. off of, you know, like uh, a holdout, uh, you know, with a new team. It's not exactly the same situation with Melvin Gordon, um, but it's pretty similar. Like he's entering his age 27 season He's probably going to be with a new team. Um, he had a season that was like definitely impacted by holding out at the beginning. You know, like whatever you thought of Le'Veon Bell last year, like I think that's kind of what you should be thinking of Melvin Gordon this year, yeah. except like Le'Veon Bell was always the better player. Yes, I have to agree with that completely. And I, I do think that there's a significant parallel there. So to continue along after Drake, it's Zach Ertz, Patrick Mahomes, too early, DJ Moore, Melvin Gordon, Amari Cooper, Odell Beckham, Todd Gurley, Mark Andrews, Devin Singletary, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Le'Veon Bell. Some interesting things shaking out in this list, but Odell yeah. Beckham going in round three, I want to get your take on this. We don't know if he's going to be in Cleveland or not. But I think what we saw 
last season was, you can have an occurrence where OBJ, as good as he is, is not necessarily going to be the player that we saw early in his career if he's in the wrong situation. So, you know, tell me how you feel about him if he is in Cleveland, and then if you do think that he's a lock to be in a round three selection if he's elsewhere. I actually feel pretty good about him. I have him uh, ranked pretty much where he's going. I have him, you know, going in the middle of the third round. Um, It was a down year, and he still had over a 1,000 yards receiving and, like, four touchdowns, which, like, that's not horrible. It's horrible for Beckham, but it's not horrible. And, like, I think he does better in his second season. Um, I mean, I know he has a new offensive coordinator, so, you know, it's not as if, like, oh, it's his second year in the system – he has a new system, but it's his second year with, um, you know, with Mayfield. So I don't know. I, I think he does better this upcoming season than he did last year. And he's still, you know, a, uh, a, a, he's not quite on the hall of fame trajectory anymore, but he's not far from it either. So he's like right. a, a near hall of fame trajectory guy who's entering his age 28 year who, uh, in his six seasons in the league, has five 1,000-yard campaigns. Like, what's not to like? We know that touchdowns regress. Yep. And I think that the other things that you have to pay attention to are, yes, he did finish 33 among wide receivers in PPR per game. But if you don't look at that, if you just look at targets, he ranked 12th. If you look at air yards, he ranked 5th. Weighted opportunity rating, he was 7th. Expected points per game, he was 17th. You see those numbers, and you would imagine that this player had a pretty strong season. Not like what he would have been doing early on in New York, but enough that for his first year with a new team, which we know receivers normally do not perform as well in their first year with a new team as they did with their prior team, you would look at this and you would say, okay, like, you know, I feel pretty good about Beckham going into next season. I think that a lot of people are just going to be focusing on his overall rank at the end of the season. And the fact that he did go over 20 points only two times. Now, I think that when I zoom out, it's easier for me to forget about those things. I don't know if I would be taking him ahead of like Amari Cooper or DJ Moore, but currently in the round three ADP they're ahead of him. So like that spot to me, isn't that ridiculous? Yeah. There are players like Juju and Cooper cup directly behind him, but I think I can see how you could make cases for Beckham to go in front of those guys. I don't know if I actually would, but I guess the reason I wanted to highlight Beckham here was it's not as much of a stretch as it might seem, at least not in my yeah. opinion. I mean, I think like Beckham's, uh, his ADP in the same with Juju, uh, going at the end of the third round. Like, so two things. One, I think it speaks to, uh, how, how sharp the market has gotten over the past few years. Because let's say like five years ago, Beckham would be like a fifth rounder or a sixth rounder, uh, coming off of the season that he had. Like people would kind of just rank him based on what he had done the year before the same with Juju. Like Juju would have been available like in the seventh round, but you know, like people have gotten smarter and also like the people doing FFPC drafts right now, those are the sharpest of the sharps. So like this is, uh, an ADP that I think is pretty representative of, um, of like 
the the potential that players have, not necessarily like their skill. Uh, so let me rephrase that. Not not like the median of what they will do, but like sharp players who are drafting, uh, <laughs> like to win. You okay right. there? Yep, I'm good. Like drafting, like with the the upside in mind of like I'm winning this league. Who are the players who have the ability to win the league for me? Like based on a reasonable projection. And that's what you see. Like that is Juju. That is, uh, OBJ. That's AJ Brown. Um, yep. you know, at the, at the, like near the top of the fourth round. Uh, I think these rankings are actually, or this, this ADP, like it's pretty good. Like if you just use this ADP as like your rankings for something else, like for another league, it would actually be pretty good. Like Mark Andrews as the fourth tight end off the board. Now granted, like it is, um, it is tight end premium, so you have to like take that into account. But like Mark Andrews as the fourth tight end off the board, not going all that far after Zach Ertz, like that is sharp, you know. And most people yep. aren't there yet. Yeah, that gives me something that I've been meaning to mention now on the show for like one or two weeks, probably, and have not had the chance to to bring it up. But before I do, we're gonna take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor, Bet Online. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all things sports, has you covered for March Madness, the Masters, and Major League Opening Day, all of which are right around the corner. They also have you covered for the latest news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. The best part, when you sign up, you receive a 50% welcome bonus. The Wilder Fury rematch goes down this Saturday night. We can't think of a better way to wager on the fight than doing it with actual free money. So head over to betonline.ag and use our promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. We signed up. It's super easy. And if you're already into betting, it's a fantastic way to support this podcast. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE. All one word when you sign up at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. So the thing that I wanted to mention, Matt, you had touched upon, which was this ADP coming from some of the sharpest, uh, most dedicated fantasy players out there shakes out really well when you start looking your way through it. Now, say that I think something people should do is take a snapshot of ADP now with these players as they are. And then when we actually get to the point where you're going to be drafting in your redraft leagues and casual players have started influencing ADP, refer back to this snapshot and find disparities. I mean, obviously some things are going to change given players that are drafted Free agency, um, yeah. Free agency, stuff like that. Yeah, Injuries. Your point you stands. Thought, yeah, right? yeah. Your your point stands. Like, uh, what we have now is sort of the blueprint, and uh, you know, ADP in more uh like conventional friends and family leagues is not going to look anything like it now, but it will drift towards this over the next six months. Absolutely. An interesting thing that uh I want to get your take on and. Maybe this is just more interesting to me than other people, but the fact that Devin Singletary 
in 2020 is going ahead of Juju Smith-Schuster. Compared to my expectations in 2019, this is like a wild development. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's – yeah, I mean, Juju had a bad year. And I guess with running backs, you just – you never know. You know, uh, Singletary was great in college, but he didn't really tear up the combine. You weren't really expecting this. He was, you know, drafted to a team that had other running backs, but, you know, here we are. It's just, I, I think someone like Singletary just points to how, um, fickle's the wrong word, but like, uh, how fleeting the running back, like, and how changeable the running back position is, where like one year a guy who is just kind of like nothing, the next year is, uh, you know, like a top 36 pick, and it seems totally normal. You know, like given yep. the journey, given like where you started and everything that happened along the way to see, oh, Devin Singletary is now being drafted near the end of the third round. Like everyone who has taken that journey would be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. For sure. And as odd as it is, I think, or at least in my perspective, um, we're seeing a couple of things here. I think that people are going to be influenced by the results of certain running backs last season. Singletary, I can't argue, had a really solid rookie season. If you're looking for a player that you can pencil in for a lot of work, I can see how you would do it with Singletary. So I think that this is more a reflection of how poor of a season Juju had than how strong right. of a season Singletary had or how much optimism he may have generated. Yeah, I think, um, I think that's right. But I also think like it's it's a marker of where we are in the league where um I don't know, like Singletary could be a really good back, but like maybe he's just slightly above average or maybe he's, maybe he's above average, but it's just like the running back position thins out really quickly. So, you know, like would I picking in the second, third, fourth round, would I rather have one of these running backs or would I rather just take a wide receiver, take a tight end, you know, like. I yep. think it's pretty clear. Like I would probably rather go with the the wide receiver or tight end. Like Todd Gurley in the third round. Like I just I don't I don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> you know, and then Chris Carson at the top of the fourth. Like are, yeah. he's he's coming off of like a, a not insignificant injury. You know, uh, DeAndre Swift. As I mean, I think Swift has a lot of talent, and uh, you know, he could be a a first round running back next year, you know, like in fantasy drafts, but there's just so much that is unknown uh at the running back position and like so much that is tentative. Once you get past like the top of the second round that like, I don't know, it's just, it's a minefield. Yeah, I agree with that. So the fourth round ADP is going Chris Carson, DeAndre Swift, Allen Robinson, AJ Brown, Darren Waller, Keenan Allen, Cortland Sutton, James Connor, Jonathan Taylor, Mark Ingram, Cooper Cup, Marlon Mack. One of the players that is going to be confusing in this, in this group here is Keenan Allen. Now, part of that is due to the fact that Philip Rivers is not going to be a charger. In the coming season, and for me at least, the other pieces, I historically have trouble knowing which year is the right year for me to kind of go after Keenan Allen and which year is not. Um, as of right now... That's a trick question. It is. Like, I, so I'll, I'll let you just kind of like break down your thoughts on Keenan Allen right now, or if he's just a player that at this point like you, you would just avoid in the best ball draft. Yeah, I always want to avoid Keenan Allen. And, you know, like... 
I don't know. I'm probably, I'm probably wrong, but like, I just always want to avoid him. And there's never, with the exception of like 2017, where you could get him cheaper and then he went off for 1400 yards. Like never have I really hated myself for not being able to get Keenan Allen because like I, you have to take him. I mean, I guess now he's in the fourth round. There's a little more value there. But, you know, previously, like, sometimes he was going in the third round. Sometimes he would even sneak up into the second round. And it's just like, there's no value there because he's just not going to have the touchdown upside. So, yeah. I don't know. I I was never really into Keenan Allen. I'm still not into him. I, I understand that he's, like, uh in theory, a great wide receiver. But I really don't even know if he's the best wide receiver on his team. Yeah. Um. The other thing here is... He has been though at the like if you want to go on the other side of the coin here make a case for him last couple of seasons he's been super in 18, consistent 19 super consistent yeah. nearly 1200 yards in both six touchdowns in both of those seasons and just a reminder in the season prior it was almost at 1400 yards finished third in PPR so we've now seen the yeah. last three seasons finished third 12th 6th um, yeah, and if you, you include, like, to be fair to him, like, if you include his rushing production, which you should, cause he always gets a few carries each year, like, he's been pretty darn close to, like, 1300 yards, uh, from scrimmage over yep. the past three years with six touchdowns each year. That's, yep. that's pretty good. Like, I have to admit, that's really good. But, uh, he's just so darn inefficient that he annoys me as a player. Like, I never, I never want to be on a guy just because he's a volume play. Even like if I think he's inefficient, I have to think that at some point that's going to come back to bite him. You know, like, yeah, I don't think he's that good of a player. Like I'm probably wrong, but I just don't think he's that good. And I don't want to invest like at the wide receiver position in a player. I don't think is actually that good. Like you can do it at running back because it's all roughly the same. You know, like, yep. it's, whether a running back is good or bad, it, it kind of doesn't matter. He just, he's a volume play no matter what. It's always predicated on volume. For wide receivers, I think it's a little bit different. Like, you want to invest in talent. I understand that. Um, I think that you could also make the case, because you've talked about him being inefficient, that he is a player that does need the volume, um, which obviously is a knock. The other interesting thing about Allen is, and I could be entirely wrong on this. I think he's one of those players that once he starts to fall off, he really falls off hard. Yeah, which, that might that might be the case. I and I it's which, hard to know. It actually I think it's yeah. hard to know because he's never really been he's always been like the quick guy as opposed to the uh like the speed guy. So like maybe he can sort of maintain his quick athleticism and if he's not fast, that kind of doesn't matter. Like I really don't know. Maybe because he's like in theory such a, a talented route runner. He can yep. afford to lose some of the athleticism and still be a good player in the slot. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly possible. I suppose playing under the slot helps in some way, too, because um, if you are very solid fundamentally, that's probably an advantageous thing to be uh, as you start to lose some of your athleticism become an older receiver. Final question is we actually uh, ended up talking about some of these longer than I was expecting. Were you surprised to see Darren Waller? going this early now of course we do need to point out that this is a tight end premium league but we're seeing him go before uh players like cooper cup before players like 
Evan Ingram, who I know was hurt last year before a Stefan Diggs, who's going in round five right now. Was this, was this surprising to you? No, cause as you mentioned, it's tight end premium. And, um, I mean, I think there's a pretty strong case to be made for him being a, a top five, top six tight end. And, uh, yeah, people are going to start going after tight ends. I think he's clearly the, the top, uh, pass catching talent on his team, uh, which like, that's always nice to have that guy at the tight end position. So, uh, I, I don't mind it. Um, question here. Would you rather yep. have Keenan Allen or Cortland Sutton or Cooper Cup? Oh gosh. Um, you know, there's a large part of me that wants to say, like Cooper Cup kind of in my knee jerk reaction. Um, but I'm just not sure about that. I, I think actually forced to choose, I still want Keenan Allen, even though I may have been presented him a little more negatively there than the other players. I, I mean, this of course is dependent on them bringing in a somewhat competent passer. It doesn't need to be great, but, um, you know, if they were to bring in a rookie that I didn't feel great about, he- Obviously my answer would change, but I, I do believe as of now, um, I am going with Keenan Allen because I feel like he does have the highest possibility of ending up a top six wide receiver. Yeah. Uh, which is I, still kind of what I'm looking at, what I'm looking for, like in a, in a round four pick here. Yeah. I think it's cup, uh, at yep. least for me, because I think he's going to end up with a similar, uh, probably not target total, but, uh, similar enough reception total. He might have like 0.5 to one fewer receptions per game. Um, but like he might end up in the same vicinity in yardage. And, uh, I mean, touchdowns regress, but Cooper Cup is still like targeted quite a bit, uh, near the end zone. Like that's just like part of who he is. And so even if he regresses from 10 touchdowns to, you know, like eight or seven, I think he still has a, a higher touchdown floor than Keenan Allen has. Yeah, you know, as I pull up Cup's numbers in the Stat Explorer and I start reviewing last year, my, my statement about Allen having the best shot at making his way into the top six, it, it could definitely be wrong. Um, just a reminder, Coop started off last season, at, uh, Cup started off last season in ridiculous fashion. In week three, 33 points, week four, 27, 27 in week five, had two low going to land in 35 points against Cincy in week eight. Uh, when all was said and done, was second in total touchdowns among wide receivers, uh, 14 expected points per game, fourth in total PPR, seven in PPR per game. This was a really solid season. Um, so, you know, if he performs like that again, it's probably going to be tough for Allen to surpass him. So you might just be right on that one. Um, I'm already questioning my decision there of saying Keenan Allen. So I, I think we can score that one in a win for Matt on, uh, changing my mind here. Well, yeah, I anyway. mean, I'm just, yeah, I'm just going, yep. I mean, you know, like we're at that point in the season where, uh, I think you, you find your way into rankings by kind of having those conversations, like the comparative conversation of would I actually rather have this guy or that guy, you know? So yep. yeah, that's where we are. Nice. All right. Well, anyways, that will uh, catapult Cooper Cup above Keenan Allen in my 2020 draft board. We actually will be back um, in just a couple of days. And I was thinking that we were going to be beyond um, well beyond round five. But I think that we're going to pick up uh, right there. So 
We will see you later in the week. Thank you to Bet Online for sponsoring this show. That does it for this episode. You can reach us at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveKavenFS and at Matt at the Oracle. Thanks to Bet Online for sponsoring the show. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And as always, remember, it's not a fantasy.